All right, James chapter 1, we're going to be looking at James. Now what I'm going to do tonight is going to give you just a picture of James. We're going to read a few verses, but I want you to get a picture of the man who wrote the book. Uh, One of my mentors um, always told me um, there is a pressure put on communicators to be good, okay, believe it or not. And he said, Matt, don't worry about being good. He said, know this, that it's the man, not the message. And he said, if you are the authenticity of the thing, the life that you have will be conveyed regardless of the message that you preach. But if you are not the thing and you are something posing as the thing, the life of God will never go into the ones that you are communicating to. Watchman Nee said it this way, we preach a crucified message, and if we aren't crucified, the crucified life will not be transferred into the people that hear our gospel. So I want you to know the man that is James. That's what I want you to know tonight. Um, So I'm going to read the first four verses, and as we're reading these first four verses, I'm going to read these, we're going to talk about who James was, and then I'm going to read the verses again. And see what you think after you hear about James and and who he was. James chapter 1 verses 1 through 4. James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. The the language there is softened there in the English. Servant there in the Greek is actually doulos, which actually means slave. And the English softens that language for certain reasons. But James, a slave of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. To the twelve tribes in the dispersion, count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. Hmm, not bad. (laughs) So who was James? James is the half-brother of Jesus. Why half-brother? Well, because Mary conceived Jesus of the Holy Spirit and so Jesus, Mary was Jesus' mother, but his father was God. James, on the other hand, had an earthly father, and so uh, James is the half-brother of Jesus. Now, could you imagine being the brother of Jesus and growing up with Jesus in the house? No pressure, right? No pressure there. Um, you imagine a vase breaks, and you say, Jesus did it! <laughs> And the mother knows the supernatural origins and is like, he never sins, (laughs) okay? Uh, You did it, James. And so it had to be hard living in the tension of God becoming man and being raised with God. Imagine being raised with God. So we gloss over this stuff. We just kind of read the Bible glibly, but I like to think of what it was like to be in the house of Jesus and what James' experience must have be, uh, been to be in the house with Jesus. 
And one thing that you guys know about family is that your family knows you better than anybody else. Especially immediate family. Because they see the inner workings of the house, don't they? You see, I might be able to preach a good sermon here and there and impress you guys. But my wife is in the house with me. (laughs) Come on, I ain't got no honest men up in here. Come on now. Come on now. Come on. Everybody got stiff and got weird on me. Come on now. (laughs) We're all in this thing together. Now think if your brother told you that he was the son of God. Mm-hmm. I, I guess you are, huh? And so James had to deal with the tension of being raised with someone in the same house with him. And yet, getting to the place where he says, James 1.1, 1, 1, James, a slave of God and of Jesus Christ. Ooh, don't tell me that's not supernatural to have a... Would you tell your brother you're going to be a slave to your brother? Sister, siblings? Say, uh-uh. See, the weird thing about family and the human dynamics are this, is that the more we get closer to someone, the more flaws we see. Right? Let's just face it. The closer we are to someone the more flaws we see. That's just the way it works. That's human relationships. But also with that, the more opportunity we have to show grace to those people that have those flaws. So this isn't counterproductive. This is how God would have us to grow in community and to, to be together. But, but the, the, I remember there was a guy who was a barber in our church who got saved. He'd give me free haircuts. I can go to Fort Smith right now and get a free haircut. We need to get a barber saved in this church right now. I speak that into existence in the name of Jesus. Tired of paying $11 to get a haircut. I got spoiled. But I remember he was on the media team and they would have, they had cameras in the TV ministry there and so uh, he would be back in the back working and I came in up there to the media room and so I cracked some jokes and, and left out of there and when I left, the media pastor come back to me and said, man, Jimmy was really worried about you. I said, what are you talking about? He said, he, never, he didn't know you joked like that. I said, what do you mean? Well, he thought you were serious and godly all the time. I thought, wow. What perceptions do we have of people and put them on some pedestal when really we're all just kind of people trying to make our way and figure this thing out so he had never seen me outside of pulpit ministry and generally that's our relationship with people right we see them at their best doing ministry but the reality is is that we're all people but now here's the difference in Jesus the closer in proximity the disciples got to Jesus the more they saw perfection and the more they loved him So Jesus wasn't threatened by proximity because it was who he was, was the real authenticity of that thing that he was proclaiming to be. So Jesus wasn't trying not to sin, he was just being Jesus. 
And so the disciples walked with him for three years. And all they could see is a glimpse of more and more and more perfection. Even so much so that his own brother gets martyred for his big brother. If anybody was going to see Jesus slip up, it's probably going to be my man James. But even his family just saw more and more of the reality that he was who he said he was. Because God is infinite, okay? So do you realize in heaven we're going to spend all eternity getting to know who God is? Because it will take all eternity to even scratch the surface of the depths and the wisdom and the knowledge that is in Jesus Christ. That you'll never know everything there is to know about God even in eternity. You ever thought heaven's going to be one big church service so it's probably going to get boring eventually? No? Am I the only human in here that's ever thought? (laughs) Cherubs on clouds. That's not very exciting to me, but whatever. But but that's the image we get. But the worship's going to be fresh every single time. Because God's going to be able to show you new things all the time about himself. And he's never going to run out of new things about himself. He's always going to be able to just roll them out by the yard. And so he might give you a revelation and you might fall out in the spirit and might say, whoa, how long was I out? And you look at your watch, you say, oh, 10 million years. Wow, that was... I felt, felt shorter than that. And so that's James here has got a, got a glimpse of God. The more that they saw of God, Jesus, the more perfection that they saw. And isn't it unique that Jesus had a family and that he entered into flesh to enter into the family dynamic? So he probably experienced every bit of tension that a family could experience you remember when he's in the temple as a 12 year old and he's teaching in the temple and they're asking him questions and the parents get going down the road uh do you have god's son (laughs) no Do, do you have god's son no we've lost god's son Maybe he's in the temple. And what does he tell them? They, they chastise him. What, what are you doing? Where, why did you come? You're supposed to be with us. And he says, I'm supposed to be about my father's business. But do you know what Jesus did? He submitted and went on with his parents. That the son of God submitted to parental authority as a 12-year-old. What a humble king you have. He could have said, you dummies. 
don't you know I'm the sovereign king of the universe who spoke everything into existence in normal teenage parlance? And instead he said, okay, mom and dad, I'll go with you. What a humble king. So now we have some clues here to the nature of uh, the conversion of James. Mark chapter 6 verse 3. They say this, is this not the carpenter's son, the son of Mary, the brother of James and Joseph and Judah and Simon are not his sisters here with us and and they took offense at him. So here we have the brother James here mentioned. Now this next scripture here, John chapter 7, verse 1 through 5, after this Jesus went about in Galilee, he would not go about in Judea because he, the Jews. Now the Jews' feast of booths was at hand. So his brothers said to him, Leave him here and go to Judea, that your disciples also may see the works you're doing. For no one who works in in secret if he seeks to be known openly. If you do these things, show yourself to the world. What does verse 5 say? So James was a wayward soul at one point. James was an unbeliever at some point and had to be converted just like all of us. In the 40s, James became the leader of the church in Jerusalem, especially to the Hebrew people. And the Bible consistently paints James as the key leader for the, uh, for the Christian churches there in Jerusalem. Acts chapter 12 verse 17 says this but motioning to them with his hand to be silent he described to them how the Lord had brought him out of the prison and he said tell these things to who and to the brothers so James is highlighted there as a leader in Acts chapter 21 verse 18 says on the following day Paul went in with us to James and all the elders were present. So the Bible is always highlighting James here. So we've got some, some really good clues here. Galatians chapter 1 verse 19. But I saw none of the other apostles except James. Lord's brother. Hmm. Then again in Galatians 2 9. And when James and Cephas and John who seemed to be pillars. Perceived that the grace was given to me. They gave the right hand of fellowship to Barnabas and me. That we should go to the Gentiles and that they to the and they to the circumcised. So James, there, part of the ministry to the Jewish, uh, the Jewish people there. So, this is James, the brother of Jesus. Now, who else would have had the authority to write to the twelve dispersed tribes of Israel uh, throughout, as it says in in chapter one, there in verse. Uh, in verse 1, it says uh, to the dispersed 12 tribes. So this is it's a good thing to, to, to kind of note there that he had some kind of awesome uh, authority as this apostle. Um, and it wasn't based on family, that he was the brother of Jesus. It was based upon God's calling on his life. And so James is a man that needed grace just like us. Now, here was uh, some historians wrote this about James, that James' knees resembled those of a camel. (laughs) Oh, camel knees. I've seen a few camel knees in my day. 
His knees look like camel's knees because they became callous from spending so much time in prayer. So that the camel knees would be a designation of faithfulness, not a derogatory remark. We know James is always consistently saying throughout this book to pray faithfully. He talks of Elijah uh, shutting the heavens where there was no rain. And, but but he, James says something interesting. He says that Elijah was a man with a nature just like ours. That he removes the superstar status to humanity, brings them back down, and then says... We serve the same God that did that, and we have the same nature that Elijah has. So he calls us to pray big things. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. Now, James' death is just as fascinating. For 30 years, he had ministry in Jerusalem, and around 62 AD, the persecution grew stronger. And the religious leaders of the day did not like the church that was exploding. Revival was happening. And any time the religious powers that be get provoked and poked and they feel that they're going to lose their status or their say, persecution will arise. And this is what happened to James. And so the religious uh, unconverted Jews took James to the top of the temple and put him up on the top of the temple and said, if you don't deny Christ, we're going to push you off of here. So James begins to preach from the temple all the more earnestly. The stop is preaching, they push him off the temple. He falls from the temple and breaks his legs is what the historical account says. And as he falls and breaks his legs, he makes his way back to those camel-like knees and begins to pray. And his prayer is, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. The crowd begins to hear, and they begin to circle James, and they begin to cry out, what are we doing? He's praying for us. Why are we doing this? And in the middle of the uh, this spectacle that's taking place, someone grabbed a fuller's club and struck James in the head until he died. this is James. This is James. He died praying. God, let me die praying. (laughs) With my enemies all around me, the devil poking his finger in my face, let me get to my knees and say, God, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. A portion of the letter that James wrote declaring that we have the same nature as Elijah has a lesson for us. 
that James wasn't some superhero rock star. He was a normal person like you and like me. He was a brother of Jesus, but yet has a nature just like us. So what James wants to do here is to know that the same grace that was available to him, it's available to us. The same God that he served is the same God that we serve. And James stays faithful to Christ even to death. And as his last words, according to Christian history, forgive them, for they know not what they do. He even died like his brother. He died like his big brother, saying the same. He looked like Jesus even in his death. And I want to look like Jesus right down to the end of my life. And in my death as well. Now let's read those same four verses again. James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the twelve tribes in the dispersion, greetings. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet various trials of different kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness and let steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. It's the man, not the message. It's who you are, not what you say. Let's pray. God, we thank you, Lord, for such bold examples, heroes of the faith. But 